Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. Folks, this is day one of the Rogue Scholar. I'm very, very excited to do this. It's been a long time since I have really, really taken seriously being on video. Obviously, I do the podcast Macro and Cheese. I hope you check it out. It's really worth your time. Um, but today we have a guest. We have a special guest. And that special guest is my friend, Jeffrey Ginter. And let me just say, I'm very happy to have him on here. So without further ado, Mr. Jeffrey, how are you, sir? I am much better than I was just even a few months ago. Getting off of social media was the best thing I could have done. It was driving I'm me envious. out of my mind. I'm you know, envious, dude. Well, I mean, don't be too envious because quite honestly, doing so kept me literally out of a hospital. I was this close to checking myself in because I had <sighs> lost all hope in humanity i had lost everything absolutely everything i went from loving humanity to thinking that maybe we should just probably end it if this is if this is who we actually are if this is what we're choosing to be then maybe we don't deserve to live uh and that is the complete antithesis of everything that i previously self-identified as and I recognize that social media is not reality. Social media is the worst aspects of who we are on display 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And obviously it's not exclusively that, but it is very much that. Uh, it is not what it could be. It is not what it should be. And uh, I, I, I need it out one way or the other. And I love my wife, I love my kids, they need me. And uh, I made a decision to make a hard break because I, I couldn't create anymore. I couldn't write. I couldn't create any content. I, you know, every time I sat down to write anything, I would almost pick up the laptop and throw it against the wall. Uh, but uh, I just, so I, I had to stop. And it took a few months. But once, once I got off, uh, I came back. You know, and I was able to just just this outpouring of creativity, this outpouring of things that I have wanted to do and been in the process of doing, but uh, just couldn't complete. And now I finally completed the first of many articles that I want to write. Uh, started it last summer, and then things happened, and I just <clears throat> couldn't take it anymore. And then once I finally started to feel human again, I busted it out in a couple of days. Well, I, I happened to read it and I appreciate you letting me read it, which is why My you're pleasure. here right now. <laughs> I, well, it's not the only reason I love you, but the, this really was a great article. Thank you. Um, but, you know, a, a, as we've talked uh, for the longest time, right? You know, mm -hmm. those of us who support modern monetary theory who are really 
have become evangelists, lay people, evangelists in the space. Um, you know, there's a lot of things out there that make people's minds twisted when they're hearing mm. about this for the first time. Twisted yeah. our minds, twisted my mind for sure. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of like un untying of the Gordian knot, right? This Gordian <laughs> knot of insanity um that makes us see the world through a very different lens. And as as we learn currency issuer, currency user, uh, mm -hmm. language as we began to understand where the money comes from and how it comes to yeah. be you know this whole medicare for all thing took center stage you know yeah. warren mosler has been very much a front man for this talking about how medicare for all at the national level is actually deflationary and should yeah. have a tax cut to make space mm -hmm. for it but absolutely because we have an ineffectual government we have watched people try to find ways around doing it the right way or do it that way using the understanding of mmt and have started with looking at state-based local-based solutions all mm -hmm. in the right frame of all in the good heart all wanting good things 100 but not fully understanding the implications of it but you tackled this so what i want to do is i mm -hmm. want you to lay the groundwork out yeah for why state-by-state -state medicare ain't it the there's a couple of reasons. In fact, there's quite a few. And it starts off with, and, and I start off the article uh, because I was raised in Canada. It really bothers me a great deal when people who advocate for state by state say, well, we have to do it this way. Look at Canada. They did it that way. Uh, and they didn't do it that way, you know, at least not in the way you're trying to do it here. There were legal reasons why Canada had to do it in the provinces. Provinces, for those who don't know, is the equivalent of a state. Quebec, Ontario, Saskatchewan, these are all Canadian states. We call them provinces. Uh, the Canadian Constitution set up in the uh, 19th century uh, mandated that the states were responsible for health care. The federal government was responsible for maritime hospitals, which basically just means sailors who get sick at sea. When they come in, they go to a maritime hospital and the federal government picks up that check. And they're responsible for quarantine. But the provinces are responsible for everything else. Absolutely, positively, everything else. So there was no way, even if the federal government in 1947, when they started this, even if they wanted to, they legally couldn't. There was no legal mechanism outside of changing the constitution for the federal government to be able to do it. So it had to be in the province. That was not the right way to go, you know, from a macro perspective, but legally they had already tied up their hands. So that's what happened. Saskatchewan started hospital insurance. Another thing that drives me crazy when people say that Canada did it state by state or province by province, they make it sound like provinces basically created the NHS as they have in England, where everything is covered for everything. That's not what happened. In 47, Saskatchewan started hospital insurance, just hospital insurance, not full coverage for everything. And a couple of other provinces signed on as well, created their own hospital insurance. And in 57, the federal government uh, passed a law that says, hey, we'll cost share. Those costs are going up, will cost share. You're still in charge, will cost share. So 10 years of this, and all they have is hospital insurance. 
It's not until the 60s, 20 years after the inception of hospital insurance, do we finally get full coverage for everyone. But it's individual provinces. It's not single payer. Drives me crazy when I see Canadian experts in talking about Medicare for all, talk about the Canadian single payer system. It's not single payer. All the provinces, all the territories have their own systems and the federal government steps in with assistance, with oversight. You know, it is a partnership and you can celebrate that if you want, but there are problems with that part. Areas of negotiation you have to go through if you want to change anything. So it makes it very cumbersome. It makes it limited. And after all this time, 70 years, we still don't cover dental. We still don't cover vision. We don't cover um, uh, ambulance rides. We don't cover prescription drugs. We don't cover long-term care. There is a lot that you're still on the hook for that you have to go to private insurance to fill in those gaps. 70 years of this shit, and we still don't have everything done. And there's almost no political movement in Canada to close these gaps. You know, they've basically got something that works. It works a lot better than we have over here. It works a shitload better than we have over here. But everything works sandwich better works than we better. <laughs> Yes. Everything works better than what we have over here. So let's set our sights as high as we can. I don't yeah. want to base our health care decisions based upon the poor political choices of Canada, based upon the poor political choices of European countries. They all do things in their own different way. They come to very similar conclusions in very similar ways, but they are all of them restricted arbitrarily in one way or another. And it comes down to legal authority to pay with what currency? That's what it comes down to. So I don't want to hear any more about the Canadian system and how we should emulate that. I don't want to emulate the Canadian system. I've been there. It's much better than we have, but it is not nearly as good as we could have. Not nearly as good as they could have either. You know, so let's let's take a look at that for a minute, right? Yeah. Because when you present this stuff, let's mm -hmm. let's just be crystal clear. Yeah. You have a video with one mm -hmm. trillion views of you shouting down a scaby-ridden Republican jerk mm -hmm. that was trying to block funding for health care. You have yeah. been at the forefront of this for many years. You this is really how we got to meet each other years ago. Yeah. Is because yeah. of that video. And, you know, you're not an enemy of Medicare for all. You are oh. a champion of Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. I am not an enemy of Medicare for all. I am a Definitely champion not. of Medicare for all. We do not want anyone to go without. We want it to be as robust as possible. So I want to get mm -hmm. that point out that we're not sitting here saying that this state approach is mm -hmm. bad just because we're bad guys. We don't like people. We want people to suffer. <laughs> we're saying it because functionally it doesn't work functionally it thing. can't work so we're That's champions and and good friends people that love mm -hmm. one another mm -hmm. sometimes have different levels of understanding of information yeah. and when you have an area that you understand inherently like macroeconomics or in mm -hmm. particular in your case the healthcare system combine that together and you're yeah. saying guys i love you to death let's fight for the right thing let's fight for the thing that can work and, yes. and and I want to clear that up because I think that people frequently think that because you said no to their idea or mm -hmm. I love you, but that idea won't work, that mm -hmm. you are somehow or another attacking them. And that is 
on its face false. Would you agree with and that that's, statement? I do, but that's what social media does. Social yes. media is that, not a conversation. Shut up for you there, sir. Shut <laughs> up for you. <laughs> social media is not a conversation. You know, you can say what you can in 256 characters. You can do a tweet storm and really get into the nitty gritty of what you're talking about. But that doesn't mean people are reading all the way through. They read as far as they want to until they think they've got something they can get you on. And then everything else is done. You know, social media has so much potential and it's wasted, wasted on a population that doesn't know what to do with it, uh, which is really unfortunate. It's, a, it's an incredible way that we can share information. It's a wonderful way that we can network and we blew it we've absolutely blown it and i don't see a way out of that in the short term and <laughs> we certainly don't have long term left uh so when i say that i'm not interested in a state-based solution i'm not simply saying it's my way or the highway i'm not saying you have to go with my idea because my ego says so i'm saying that not only are what you advocating for is not going to work. But even if you are successful, and I say this in the article, even if you are successful, even if you do get past all the massive hurdles that any state has in order to uh, implement their own version of single-payer healthcare, and there are a lot of them, and I go, I go through them in the article, even if you are successful, you are always, constantly, 100% at threat because when you understand the differences between a currency issuer like the federal government and a currency user like any state, you understand that states are financially constrained. What they can and cannot do has nothing to do with available resources, nothing to do with that whatsoever. They could have all the resources at their beck and call right at their feet. But if they don't have the money to purchase them, then who the hell cares? Like I say, like a lot of other people have put it in similar terms, I have all the access I need to a Mercedes-Benz right now. I know where the dealership is. I can go there, but I don't have the money to buy it. So who cares if I have access? I can't purchase it. So yep. that's what a state is. And even if you are successful, if you pass the law, if, you, if they successfully raise the funds through taxation and borrowing and federal grants, they do it. Fantastic. Great. Today. Today. But if you don't control costs, then those costs go up. The taxes have to go up because they have to pay for it. Even if you get people today to say, yes, we'll go these higher taxes, that doesn't mean that next year, five years, 10 years from now, as costs go and those taxes have to go up, that they're not going to still be okay with it, that they're eventually going to say no. And we already know that the rich have every resource at their disposal to say no successfully. So you were very lucky to ever get it right in the first place. If you don't get enough money and you still implement it, then you're playing right into their hands when you have wait time, shortages, all manner of rationing. And they're going to say, well, that's what single-payer healthcare gets you. So we can't have it nationally. That hurts everyone else. That hurts the national movement. So if you're successful, it's only a matter of time before your next recession, 
your next uh, uh, environmental disaster, your next pandemic, your next something that is going to create huge economic downturns, your tax revenue goes down, unemployment goes up, which means your, federal, your state expenses on unemployment go up, and you now have less money for your health care, which means now that is under threat. So win or lose, we still lose. Every time you go and try to get a state to pass this, every time it fails, as it does in California, in New York, in Colorado, in Vermont, that becomes fodder for Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, and everyone that wants to be against single payer. That's fodder to say that it can't work. We're handing them all the tools they need to deny us what we all agree we need. So we're definitely working for the enemy when we go for state-based plans. We try, we fail, that's fodder for them. We try, we succeed, it's still fodder for them. No matter what we do, it's fodder for them and we all lose. So you know, I wanna take us back to a parallel issue. Uh, Sandy Darity, uh, mm -hmm. very, very much a leading voice in the reparations movement, yeah. has been vocally fighting within the reparations space because mm -hmm. there are people out there trying to do local and state-based reparations. And he mm -hmm. says, no. And here's his argument. And I think this argument plays out as well in the Medicare space or any, mm -hmm. any kind of space. What he yeah. says is this. Number one, he believes it's a divisive effort that once California gets reparations, they will stop worrying about helping the other states because they got theirs and just human nature that you don't mm -hmm. have that same fight once you've you know, once you've had a full belly, you're not interested yeah. in the second helping unless there's, unless there's well, you room, see right? that in, You see but, that in Canada. We don't have everything covered. Once you get a certain level of success passed, you're, the whole political will to get the rest of it done diminishes dramatically. Yeah. That's right. You know. And so, so he takes it one step further than that, though, okay? And this is, this is where this part kicks in. When you understand organizing, and you understand the level of energy that the arc of getting these things to popular uh, positioning it, it, it within the political realm, within any realm, uh, you ultimately have a certain window of time. It's not necessarily yeah. just the Overton window. It's really kind of like this window. And if you don't have all guns or whatever, all energy pointed in the same direction and it's scattered, it ends up being yeah. a blob. It doesn't work the way we want. And he's concerned about that because yeah. he wants to see reparations in his lifetime. We'd like to see that. And we'd like to see Medicare for all in our lifetime. I'm sure he shares mm -hmm. in that as well. What are Absolutely. your thoughts in terms of the level of effort it takes to organize such a, we saw the marches, you spoke at mm -hmm. the marches, we covered the marches. Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot came from that, did it? I mean, this nope. is, this is the pops and fizzles of a movement without having any means of executing. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. on that? Well, I think that's pretty much the ball game. You know, it really depends upon emphasis. And I mentioned this in the article, you know, the, one of the biggest reasons for going state by state in the minds of people that advocate for that sort of thing is that the federal government is too big, it's too laborious, it's bought and sold, it's gridlocked, it's impossible to get anything done. So we'll have to do state by state. And my problem there is, in what world do you think that there is a state government that also isn't bought, sold, uh, corrupt as hell, 
hell-bent on making sure that we don't get progressive policies. I come from New Jersey. Are you kidding? One of the most uh, uh, corrupt governments in the world. There's no such thing as you know, making sure that we can get something done in the state that because we can't get it done in the federal government. That's just a fantasy. You know, your level of effort is going to be exactly the same thing, excruciatingly hard, whether you wanted to get it passed in the states or whether you want to get it passed in the federal government. Now, you may say that it's worth it to give that level of uh, effort to the states because you generally believe that you could do it and then other states will follow suit. But the problem is, is that every time we do it, it fails. The, better, the federal program gets weakened. And even if you succeed, once you understand federal economics, you're not going to the promised land. You're playing right into the hands of Nancy Pelosi, right into the hands of Chuck Schumer, right into the hands of all these Democrats who say that they love us so much and they would do anything to do to, to help us, but it's just too expensive. It's just too this. You know, just look at what happened in California, they say. Look at what happened in Vermont. We can't possibly do it nationally. You're playing into the hands of the people that we're supposed to love and bow fealty to, you know, as they talk out of both sides of their mouths. So, <laughs> you know, it's very important that we do keep our eye on the prize. The fight will be excruciatingly hard. You will have to do things you don't want to do. You will have to sacrifice, whether it's state-based or whether it's federal-based. But federal-based is the only way to get what we want because healthcare is about resources. It's not about yeah. money. And only That's the right. federal government can marshal the needed resources to get us what we want. Why in God's name do you think the Federal Reserve and all the banks you know, run to the federal government to bail them out? If they're so all powerful, why do they need the federal government? That's where the legal authority comes from. Every time there's a natural disaster somewhere, why do they run to the federal government? Why don't they raise the money themselves? They know intrinsically that when the shit hits the fan, only the federal government can bail you out. When we had the Great Depression and tax receipts fell off a cliff, that's when FDR rolled up his sleeves and spent more than any other president before him to create jobs, to create social security, to start fighting World War II. You know, it's the federal government. It is the legal authority to pay because they create the currency. No state can do that. So I don't want reparations done on the states either because it's always <laughs> going to be conditional. It's always going to be right. conditional on their ability to raise the money, which means everything they say about socialism, you always run out of some, some people's money, is a true statement for states. Absolutely. It is not a true statement for the federal government. Peter doesn't pay Paul at the federal level, but they do at the state level. So, so on this note, I want to break in. Let me bring oh. the father of MMT into the mix momentarily. Mm. This is uh, a clip that I think you and I have both seen at times. Uh, uh, now, the other thing I want to say about Medicare for All, which we tried to get through to Bernie Sanders, but without success, obviously, is I see it as a highly deflationary event. So right now I see... I'll just use very, very round numbers, but $3 trillion spent on healthcare. Out of that, $1 trillion in the private sector is administrative, private sector administration. That's pretty much going to go away if we go Medicare for all. 
But what does that mean if that spending is goes away? Well, all those those were all salaries going to, you know, people who were like digging one hole and filling in another, which is what private sector, you know, compared with, well, let's let's just say they were doing all the administration work. I'm not saying what they were doing wasn't valuable in its context, but the context had had no value. But anyway, you had a trillion dollars worth of wages and salaries going to people doing administration that aren't going to be there anymore. That's a highly deflationary event. All those people are going to be out of work in the unemployment lines looking for jobs. You don't raise taxes in that context. That makes no sense at all. You'd want to. So with that right there, that right there, you saw that you don't raise taxes. Why is that? Because it creates unemployment, more unemployment, right? And that the government creating unemployment through taxation is the money story that Warren always talks Mm -hmm. about. In your article, you go into a lot of detail about all the different plans, all the different ways of approaching this. With yeah. the understanding that Medicare for all being deflationary would literally allow us to cut taxes, mm-hmm. you would think they we probably might won't. want one or two Republicans mm-hmm. to sign on, right? Business well, that's, <laughs> that, that's a cost-benefit <laughs> analysis. Republicans, just like yeah. Democrats, they want to see taxes come down, but they don't want to see it come down for the working poor. They want to see it come down for them. You know, Medicare for all is a power play. Medicare for all is a way for the people to be able to help regain some control over their own lives and make decisions for themselves. I don't want to work at this job anymore. I have because I needed the health benefits, but now I can say, fuck you, and I can do what I want. You know, that's power for us, a power that has been denied to us, you know, forever. So Republicans and Democrats, you know, are theoretically on paper, you know, going to be just dying over the idea of cutting taxes, cutting taxes, cutting taxes. Uh, but if you make that proposal, they're going to find all manner of, of reasons why that's not a good idea this time. And you and I both know it's because it's the wrong taxes and you're cutting it on the wrong people. Uh, it's because of power, because we'd be able to leave uh, uh, the work that we don't want to be doing. We'd be able to move wherever we wanted to. We'd be able to have real power and control of our own lives. And that's not in their best interest because it's not in the best interest of their donor class. So, yes, you know, to do Medicare for all and to do it honestly, you know, would require a tax cut or the implementation of any number of other jobs programs, you know, a federal job guarantee, any number of things to be able to shore up the spending power of the people who just lost that spending power. You can give them unemployment insurance, but you and I both know people spend differently when they're on unemployment. They don't just go out and go on a spending spree just because you gave them money because that's precarity. That's a precarious situation, unemployment, and everyone knows this. So you can't just simply say that they'll go in unemployment and that spending will be topped off that way. Uh, 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 uh. You give them the money, they're not necessarily going to turn around and spend it. Hence, you're not creating demand. Hence, you're not keeping the economy afloat. But you could give them a job. You know, people with a job spend vastly differently. You know, from people who are unemployed. You could give them, you know, a bi. You know, uh, you can do any number of things that are not temporary, you know, that would actually shore up the economy and head off a deflationary event. But if all you do is Medicare for all, then yes, that will be deflationary. 
And if they take it honestly, they would understand that they have to do a tax cut. But who in, who in Washington is honest? You know, they want us to make sure that it's paid for. They want us to make sure right. still to this day that it's paid for. So, of course, they're going to do a tax hike. You know, of course, they're going to make us pay for it because that's the point, you know, for them is to make the pain real, to make the system fail so that they can step in and be the hero. The private sector will come in and do this, you know. So, no, they're not going to, you know, be masturbating all over Fox News saying, oh, my God, we're going to do a tax cut. We're going to do a tax cut. No, No, they're going to come up with reasons why it can't happen, why it would be bad for the country, all of which are lies and bullshit. But that's what they're going to push, you know, and there's going to be a lot of people in the Democrat side who will do exactly the same thing, which is why I'm not about electoral politics anymore. I don't trust any of them. I don't give a shit who they are. I don't give a shit what they said before. I care what you actually do. And it's our job to make sure that they do what they said they were going to do. Until they do that, they're nothing to me. They're nothing. AOC (laughs) means nothing to me. I don't want to spend five seconds talking about her because AOC is not the point. If we're not willing to step up and do what is necessary to push them to do what we need them to do, then we have no business talking about her at all. She is not the savior. We are. And if we're not willing to do that, then we don't deserve to be saved. Dude, I I, got to tell you, man, this is Soapbox City, and it's perfect. Because when you hit the soapbox and you hit it right, it's just a... mm just feels good because that's exactly the point there's just not enough people out there putting the onus on themselves to organize putting this onus on themselves to negotiate and communicate and build those coalitions and instead we think that every four years or every two years we can just hit a switch and vote for somebody mm. and make the world a better place and that's yeah. just not proving to be the truth i mean i've been alive 53 years and in my 53 years had a lot of hype every four years, every two years, every six mm-hmm. years, whatever. And I've seen next to nothing come from it. All right. Well, we're coming up about time. I want you to give us the high points real quick, the key takeaways of your article so that people, yep. folks, we're going to be publishing this article. If it's not up today, it'll be up in the next day or so. We'll mm-hmm. make sure we update the show notes for this. So you have the article there to grab. Uh, it'll be all over our website, realprogressives.org, and out there all over social media. Jeff, I'll let you take a moment to close us out. Tell us the key takeaways of this and, uh, okay. and where we can find more of your work. Okay. So key takeaways, healthcare is about resources. You know, it sounds like splitting hairs when we talk about currency user versus currency uh, issuer, but it's not. It is the difference between life and death. If you have the resources to do what you need, you therefore need the legal authority to purchase those resources. And only the federal government can do that. States cannot. They can do the best that they can. They can try as best they can. But they are under the constraints that Fox News and everyone else will tell you that is bad about socialism. Eventually, you run out of other people's money. The rich will abandon uh, the whole project. They will hide their resources. They will hide their money. Corporations will go across the seas. They will will do any number of tax dodges because they don't want to pay. 
know, and if you're doing it at the state level, someone has to pay, and that someone is going to be the people, which includes the rich people and the corporations. But rich people and corporations have any manner of mechanisms and tools at their disposal to make sure that they don't pay. So it's going to be you. So you're either going to fail to overcome the federal restrictions of states organizing and uh, coming up with the regulations for their own state-based plans. That's a huge deal. It's going to keep you from getting it done at all. Uh, or if you do get around it, you're weakening you know, what you're able to accomplish. So bad idea right from the start. Uh, even if you do get it passed, you know, now you have to be able to come up with the funding. If you fail, like Vermont did, then it's just more fodder you know, for Fox News. If you pass it, but you can't get up all the money that you need, but you think you got enough, you're going to have rationing. You're going to have shortages. You're going to have all the things that they say happens with socialized medicine. And you're giving them all the fodder to kill the program and to kill the national movement. You're certainly not going to be uh, offering much hope for other states to implement their own. Most of them can't do it. There's more states that are cash poor than are cash rich. So it's not likely to happen in most parts of the country. Even if you do succeed and you get all the money that you need, it's only a matter of time before the rug gets pulled out from underneath you as businesses decide they want to move, happens all the time, even without you know, a single-payer healthcare plan that they have to pay for. You know, they always want to go to the state that has the least amount of tax burden. They're always shifting around, you know, which is why states the race to are the just bottom. the race to the bottom, which is why states were just falling over themselves trying to attract Amazon, who was demanding a practically near zero uh, state tax base for just a few measly thousand low-paying jobs in exchange. You know, so you're always, always, always under threat of losing everything you fought for uh, with single-payer healthcare at the state level because it's the state. Now, I cannot overemphasize this. If we do it at the federal level, it is always going to be under threat too. But that will be politics, not finance. The federal government can finance it no matter what, under any and all circumstances. Good times, bad times, everything in between. There is no financial restrictions. There are real restrictions. There are restrictions of resources. If you don't have enough actual stuff to do it, then you've got a problem. But only at that point do you have a problem. So only the federal government can get it done. So if you're going to fight, you should be putting all your efforts into the fight that will actually get things done the way, the way we need it to get done without threatening the entire system. If you want to fight at the state level, fight the states to pressure the federal government not to pass their own system. To pass their own system threatens everything that you are trying to accomplish. And I know that you want to accomplish great things. I know that you're frustrated. There's nothing comfortable about politics. There's nothing comfortable about fighting your government to get what you need. So I understand why you would want to make it more manageable. Do it at the state level first. Oh, but again, everything is stacked against you. And even if you win, you still lose. We lose. Every time you try and lose, we suffer the consequences. Every time you pass it and succeed, it's only a matter of time before it fails and we suffer the consequences.
So I need you to understand this, please, for the love of God, understand the difference between a federal government and a state government. One can do it under any and all circumstances, and you'll have to fight them every step of the way to make sure that they do it, that they fully fund it, and that they keep doing it that way. That's your job. You're a citizen. That's your job. Their job is to have their hands directly on the levers of power. Our, hand, our job is to tell them what to do with those levers. So you're always going to be under threat. But at the state level, you're under threat for a whole bunch of different reasons that are out of everyone's control. They cannot control a recession. They cannot control a, a tidal wave coming and wiping out a community. They cannot control tornadoes. They cannot control any number of things that lead to tax coffers going down. And now suddenly they really are cash poor and they can't promise, they can't deliver what they promised. They can't do anything about that. And pressuring them isn't going to change that. So put your efforts where it will do the most good, the only good, federal government. That's where the battle is. And if you want to get your states involved, get them involved in battling the state government. They have a bigger microphone than you. Absolutely. All right, Jeff. Well, listen, it's been a great talk. I really appreciate your Thanks, articles. Man. Fantastic folks. Look for it. I'm Steve Grumbine. And this, my friends, is my new show, The Rogue Scholar. We're going to be having lots of good stuff. I've got Bob Hockett coming on Friday noon to talk to us about Wildcat Crypto and, and the future of FinTech and past this prologue. So this will be exciting. Mm -hmm. And Jeff, I want to thank you so much for being my first guest on this new show. My pleasure. Uh, Thanks folks, for asking. Get the word out. I Hopefully this was fun for you all. It was a lot of fun for me. And with that, we're out of here. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives.